0: Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett here. Coming up a little bit later on, Mickey Morissette going to join us uh, from the Minnesota Women's Press. We're going to talk about her organization there. Been going for a long time, 1985. We'll talk about that and uh, the, the struggles of, of keeping a a, you know, a A print publication going right now as they're they're keeping out there and keeping out, get doing the good work. Uh, I'm glad we're going to have her on here. uh, Coming up a little bit later on this show, Uh, Brett. How are we today? I'm doing all right here. How about you? This town feels really freaking different, doesn't it? I mean, seriously, this town feels really different because of the twins.
1: Ah, guy. I was wondering you're, if you're going there. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Well, yeah. what did you think it was? You know, the weather. I don't you, know.
0: Yeah. You know, Taco Tuesday was fantastic this week. You know, Maybe the Viking Super Bowl fever. Yeah, that's a twenty. That's a very curable disease in this town. <laughs> um, you know, it, it it doesn't surprise me. We're going to let's take a good chunk of this first segment here just to talk about yesterday. First of all, your thoughts on. We'll just talk about the game first. Yesterday, the game two of the three-game series with Toronto, this is the first-round series.
1: Um, your thoughts really quick on you know what what you saw there. Yeah, the, I know what it kind of feels like to be the Yankees in those yankees Twins series because that's what it felt like the Blue Jays were doing with all of their mistakes they made in that game yesterday. Just every decision they made completely backfired against them. So it's interesting. That's what it's like to be on a... On a baseball or cheering for a baseball team that has breaks go their way. Well,
0: I'll make this point. The twins never made a decision as bad as Barrios getting pulled yeah, in, the, in the fourth that's inning. For sure. Uh I I have and that is apparently media across Canada right now is just absolutely ripping the the coach of that team for the mismanagement of that squad during that series. Uh, frankly, I would have let him go as long as he wants because just because he gave up one walk to Royce Lewis doesn't mean he was done by any means. Royce Lewis is a heck of a batter. So two pitches, three pitches got out of control in that at-bat. Okay, fine. But you, you don't pull him right away. The Vladdy Guerrero catching him off base.
1: Wow. 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 Give credit to Sonny Gray and Carlos Correa. They explained how that worked too, how Gray yeah. was like signaling oh. Correa ahead of time, we're going to do this. If you watched MLB last night, Major League Baseball Network, because I watched the
0: game and then I turned it on because I am just a baseball geek. Guy. I love it. They spent, uh, they spent basically about 45 minutes breaking down Correa's signal that I think I can get him. Watching, they had the camera on the catcher who was clearly talking, giving, waiting for the signal to go and setting it up. And then Vladdy just not, or the third base coach not noticing that Correa had taken four steps before he turned and tried to dive back to second base. And, you know, he is just not as fast of a runner to get that big of a lead. And as the one guy on, on, Major League Baseball Network made the point. He goes, You're on second and third. A single's going to score you no matter what. You've got two outs. A single's going to score you no matter what. You do not have to have a big lead. That's just, he. And as he described it, that was a little league mistake, which I got to imagine is, you know, not Vladdy, uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero is, 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 is uh, <laughs> I all of a sudden realized. Yeah, that's you know, we kind of refer to him the same way. Uh, you know, but uh, that Vladdy, he uh, is. Uh, I got to imagine that that is not going over well with him. I will also. Who was it that threw the ball that hit, got hit in the double play that got rid of the ba- uh, the runners and the uh, bases loaded? Oh was yeah, that Uh Yeah, I think he was uh, pitching at that point. Yes, first pitch he throws, guy fouls it by one foot, and that was trouble. Do not underestimate how important it is to have a guy who's 36 years old in that bullpen who knows how to throw a pitch that's going to end up on the ground because that's what that, that was. And in, in, it was close. I mean, that guy was flying down first baseline, but they got them both. That was both legit. That's what the problem was. Every bounce that could go the Yankees' way all those years Went the Yankees way, and even some that didn't. There were multiple calls in those Yankee series which were wrong before in the a- age of a major expanded instant replay that would would have easily been overturned. But you know, baseball likes their 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 New York teams in the in the playoffs. Let's just oh, you're thinking
1: way. back to that game where Joe Mauer hit that double by like two feet, and they said it was foul yeah. in extra innings. A how couple about years how ago? the yeah. ball
0: the ball that they called fair? I mean they did overturn that one the ball they called fair that was fouled by a foot for the yankees i mean it, it, it but every but that aside i mean you know that stuff aside every time the twins played a team in the last 18 and oh and 18 stretch it just seemed like every time a bounce went someone's way it just went against theirs you know or a um you would, you know, I remember in one of those games, one of our hitters, and gosh, this must have been, I think, 2000, late 2000 odds, I think it was, hit the ball, went off the, the pitcher's mound, and for some reason, careened sideways right into the shortstop's glove. And easy throw out. I mean, it, you know, a, a thousand times from Sunday, that ball's going in a million different directions, and people are scrambling after the ball. Yeah. Um The guy... Who the the guy in the outfield that threw the ball about 20 feet over the third baseman's head. You know, that's you know, stuff like that. You know, very preventable errors. Just it's 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 just remarkable to me that this happened. But that the difference was is that team looked determined, that team looked good. They looked like they could win. And granted, all right, I'll I'll bite. Houston, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. Baltimore, if they get past the Texas Rangers, will be even a bigger challenge. And more than likely, the Atlanta Braves are going to be sitting there waiting for you for a rematch in the 91 series if you get that far. And that is, you are talking one of the greatest, best baseball teams that's been put together in the last, God, how many years? I mean, 20 years? I mean, probably since some of those Red Sox teams Mm -hmm. with Ortiz that won the series. Now, I know you're by the way, if you're listening it's like, aren't you the political station? Yeah, but this is this town. And this town there's there's a there's a truth that this city has to come to grips with. It's as as weird as this is, it's not a football town. It's not a hockey town. Although I would say if God, you know, God willing, at some point either one of those teams made a real deep run into the playoffs. This town would flip in a heartbeat. But at its core, because of the history of this town, this town is a baseball town. It might have been a basketball town at the time of the Lakers, but it's a baseball town now. And it was it's it's almost like after you know, what 32 years in the 91 series, where, I mean, there, I mean you, you got done with the, the World Series in 91. This town was definitively a, a baseball town. And, you know, granted, I mean, the, the, the leagues were run differently back then. But, you know, it, it, it's a knowledgeable base. They know their teams. They like their teams. And that's what you saw at Target Field the last two days. The numbers, apparently, for watching the games are off the freaking charts. As a matter of fact, I think that's one of the reasons why the Twins-Astros game on Saturday, it's a 345 game, I believe it is. So we, we've got the the late afternoon game, which is a pretty – that's kind of prime time on Saturday. And then we got the 7 o'clock Sunday night game. We got the primetime game go up against you know Sunday night football for – for for Major League Baseball. I think that part of that reason why is the numbers in this town were outstanding for watching that series. And of all the teams that are left, the team that's got the most buzz is the Twins. They're fun. They're exciting. This is enjoyable. But it just this town has been mistreated by its sports teams for so long. And we can, of course, make the exception for the Minnesota Lynx. We can make the exception for the Golden Gopher Hockey Squad. Squads, but the reality is, is that it's it's this close but no cigar mentality that it's permeated the Minnesota United. It's permeated Gopher volleyball. It's 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 everywhere, and you know it's. It is such a relief to see and have faith in something enjoyable. Yes, it is parsley on the plate of life. I'm not changing this. This is not like I'm, you know, we need to go out and spend a billion dollars to build a new baseball stadium. No, I'm not saying that at all. But this town feels very different all of a sudden, like it did back when we were, you know, we were we were kind of a, that dom, you know at times the dominant squad i remember i mean it kind of was similar to in the early 2000s there was a swagger in this town with the twins there was a bit of swagger now it, we, that was the last time we won a series which was the a series which actually is if you what's that movie with Brad Pitt where he plays oh uh, moneyball moneyball that's actually portrayed that series is actually portrayed in that movie uh at the end of it um but at the same time, it is it it it's kind of one of those things where that that team had some swagger, had some there, but still this never could get past that point, point. and we just kept saying it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Meanwhile, they you know you basically have people selling children to be Vikings fans in this town, and you know it's I sold a kid for this, you know that sort of thing, you know you know this town, this state is a hockey state. It just is, does anyone really have any faith that the the Wild are going to do anything this year? Pfft, come on. They're not. They're not. No one, no, one, no one thinks they are. They're already making excuses with the payroll. Like, oh, you know, we really got so. No one cares. They're, they're, they're basically, yeah, I'd be surprised if the next two years they even make the playoffs. And if they do, they'll get wiped out in the first round because that's just what they do. No, it's, it feels like, hey, wait a second here. We're not losers. We're not we're not the 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 lovable loser. Well, we'll win them next time. We're not that anymore. We actually could win a series. And we're I'd say there's a decent chance now watch us get swept. There's a decent chance we could we beat the series when uh, in with Houston.
1: Oh, I think so and I I think Baltimore and Texas are beatable too on the other side. I mean yeah. Baltimore, God. I don't think they have enough pitching to to beat the Twins. So you it's want my, you thing. want my
0: gutsy prediction? You want you want a gutsy prediction? Oh, what do you got? So yesterday, if you missed it, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, who I enjoy that team. I actually – I worked for – I was in Beloit. I was with the Beloit Brewers, which are the Beloit Terrapins now, which are the A-ball team for Milwaukee. And so I kind of like Milwaukee God, it was hard to watch them get beat as badly as they did by Arizona. Who came back, I believe, in both of those games to take those games. And so Arizona is going to play Atlanta
1: Actually, they're doing the Dodgers. Oh, do they
0: have the Dodgers? Yeah, the Phillies
1: are playing Atlanta.
0: Oh, okay. I could. Okay, could I see the? Could I see Arizona somehow making a run in this? I could. Anyway, we generally won't talk too much sports, but this is kind of because we've forgotten what it feels like to say, you know, what we're not the lovable losers. We're not. We're not the 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 the, the team that's the the always the bridesmaid. We actually have won World Series championships. We just won a series, although the doom and gloom naysayers are always, well, you won a first-round three-game home series. What's the big deal there? Well, they look pretty dang stoppable. But what really feels good is optimism. And you, I guess because we as a society, and I think all of us as a society, have a bad habit of putting sports as a way too much of a priority in our lives. I don't know if you can change that. I mean, it's the the amount of marketing and, you know, you've got to bleed purple. You've got, you know, really that sort of thing. But the reality is, is that this this is a strange feeling in this town. And once again, this is no slight to the Lynx. This is no slight to the gopher hockey team. But this is, of the big four, this is one of them. And right now, Minnesota, who was basically ignored as these playoffs started, all of a sudden have a lot of people's attention, including a lot of people in town. So as much as certain media outlets are going to be screaming, this is a football town. Yeah. Uh, no. This is a baseball town, and until football can go out there and show us they have a chance at doing something, yeah, Twins have two World Series in the last fifty years. How many Super Bowls would the, the Vikings have? Oh, that's right, zero.
1: We'll have one after twenty twenty
0: four. Oh, will they? <laughs> will they? Really? <laughs> I tell you what, we're gonna make a bet here uh, during the commercial break. Oh, Although I'm, uh, i re- oh, panting. My, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> I found you and Broadcorp and Patrick. One of the best t-shirts. I've got them ordered. They're coming. I'm yeah. gonna put have you put it on. We're gonna put it on camera oh, nice. when they get here. I'm not gonna say they are, but they are for Vikings. They're for the Vikings, guys.
1: I've got a shirt. We'll show that to them when, when they get oh, here. I if remember I t- that Kula visit on Tuesday. Yeah, I'll have to put that on.
0: Yeah, Darn <laughs> right, you will. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, take a break. Come on back. Done with the Twins because they're not playing today. They got to play on Saturday. So we're done talking about them. <coughs> Plus, I got to admit, I'm kind of happy. I don't have to have the game... Reflected on this glass in front of me because it's kind of it's hard to do a radio show when you got that going on. 952 946 6205. Some pretty major breaking news when we come back. It's The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, The Progressive Voice of Minnesota, The Matt McNeil Show. Winston Smith Jr., of course, um, there was a lot of people, including myself, who were very critical of the police in that. Mainly, in, if you go back and listen to these shows that we did, we were very critical about the fact that they didn't have body cameras on. And this was this was an encounter that happened – I believe on the old it, it it was the old Calhoun Square parking garage, correct, if I remember correctly. And the the this is of course happened the this confrontation where Smith ended up dead happened June 3rd, 2021. So we were a year after George Floyd, and I thought it was relatively inexcusable. And the point I made back then is we don't know what really happened because we got no video footage of it. And it led to protests in uptown, it led to um, you know, you know, it, it be a lot of conflict, a lot of lack of trust in the police because there wasn't any body cam footage. What we now discovered is because a video forensics expert has now looked at his phone and indeed found a video that he made as he was shot. And it does tell a very kind of different story than the narrative a lot of people wanted to be true. Let me read through this. In the last seconds of his life, Winston Smith Jr. started filming. From the driver's seat of the park Maserati, 32-year-old Smith recorded on his cell phone as members of the U.S. Marshals Service Fugitive Task Force surrounded his car, thumped on the windows, according to sources familiar with the video's contents. Smith ignored his passengers as he as his passenger as he pleaded for him to go with the agents just shoot he said regarding to the sources and after a brief pause he pulled a handgun from the vehicle's center console and began to ri- raise it at that point gunfire and broken glass filled the car um yeah now i was critical That the police did not have body camera footage on at that time. I was also critical saying, okay, wait a minute here. You had a chance to get I think it was in Stella's fish house at that point. If I remember correctly, he was having dinner across the street. And I said, Okay, you didn't grab him then. You had the chance to grab him then. But you remember it almost it it, there, then we found out afterwards that this was this task force, I think, was looking for someone else, couldn't find that individual. And so said, oh, well, here's this other guy, and we'll go get him, if I remember correctly. But from what is described on this video, and this is Andy Mannix's and the exceptional Andy Mannix. We are lucky to have him here in town. Um, The Andy Mannix column in the Star Tribune, and I have zero doubt to trust it, it does not sound like the police did not fire without justification. And I don't know if you want to call that suicide by police or what, but they were knocking on the door. He raised a gun and basically they opened fire. The 35 second video of the fatal June 3rd, 2021 encounter, which would remain undiscovered for more than two years, could have been a critical piece of evidence in the direct aftermath as conflicting accounts of what uh, precipitated the shooting fueled claims from protesters that Smith was assassinated. Did Smith pull a gun or is he just raising his phone? Did the undercover task force announce itself? There was no body cam or dash cam coverage to answer those questions, which once again, how is it even possible a year after George Floyd, you did not have every camera on you could possibly have, especially in situations like this? Come on. The Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, the agency in charge of investigating law enforcement shootings in Minnesota, said it wasn't aware of any video and instead turned to the public for help finding the footage. Though the BCA took possession of Smith's phone after his death and the government had possessed it since, sources say the state agency never found the video Smith had recorded. Now, two years after the BCA closed the investigation, sources say Mark Lanterman, a private forensics expert hired as part of this civil case has recovered the footage. Lanterman declined to comment. The video has still not been released or even acknowledged to the public. The Star Tribune has not seen the footage, but sources who were, weren't were authorized to speak publicly described its contents. The BCA did not immediately agree to request for an interview Thursday, and a statement spokesperson, Bonnie Bauman, said of the disclosure, if someone has additional evidence relevant to the investigation, we would appreciate it if they could contact us directly to provide us with the evidence. When reached for comment on Thursday, Jeff Storms, the attorney representing the trustee for the Smith family, declined to discuss the video. I'm not going to address the contents of any video that is the subject of this article, but I will say is that transparency is so critical to justice, accountability, and the healing of families. Storms reiterated that his disappointment that the task force agents were not wearing body cameras to capture the encounter. We aggressively pursued all possible video evidence that could exist that would shed light on the killing of Winston Smith, he said. An attorney for Noreen Askar, the passenger in Smith's car, declined to comment as well. Smith's death came in a turbulent moment in Minneapolis. Seven weeks earlier, a jury had found former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin guilty of murdering George Floyd. Chauvin's trial was streamed live ca- across the world. A Brooklyn senator officer shot and killed Dante Wright, another black man at a traffic stop, stopped reigniting a week of unrest that led to state leaders to call in the National Guard. It was just a week after the one-year anniversary of Floyd's killing when the agent shot Smith in the middle of the afternoon. Smith was wanted on a warrant for skipping a sentencing hearing that he pleaded guilty to illegal firearm possession. On May 24th, the mother of his then seven-year-old daughter reported his location to Minneapolis police and said he was armed. She later told the Star Tribune that she exaggerated the danger Smith posed to get police to show up faster, but they never arrived. On June 3rd, a sheriff's deputy monitoring Smith's social media account saw him post a lunch date at Stella's Fish Cafe in Lake Street. The U.S. Marshal Service North Star Violent Offender Task Force agent surveilled Smith as he finished his meal and rode the elevator to the top of the parking ramp. Once again, plenty of time to take him down at that point. They didn't. When he got into the Maserati, the agents boxed in with the other vehicles. The confrontation lasted only a few moments. When it ended, Smith would be pronounced dead on the scene. There is no video of the shooting quickly created problems for the marshals. The two agents who fired the fatal shots were deputies from Ramsey County and Hennepin County Sheriff's Department's But the federal tax force didn't permit the use of body cameras. Sheriffs in Ramsey, Hennepin, and Oka Counties all temporarily pulled their agents from the task force until the Marshal Service updated its policy. Some protesters, and and by the way, and give credit to, I I think that that was one of those things where I can't believe Ramsey, Hennepin, and Oka County were like, okay, wait a minute, what? We can't have body cams on because now all of a sudden our deputies look like the bad guys here because we don't have this footage. Protesters said they didn't believe in the marshals' claim that Smith had a gun, pointing it out that Minneapolis police spokesman had initially called Floyd's killing a medical incident. And, yeah, no, they Minneapolis police lied their asses off about George Floyd. Lied and lied and lied again. And then Bob Kroll kept, when, when that letter he sent to the staff, because, you know, those officers all deserve their job back. Really? Really? Paraphrasing, but that's kind of what it was. Skeptics of law enforcement version closed uptown streets during rush hour, rallied outside the home of Ramona Doman, then head of the U.S. Marshal Service in Minnesota, demanding her resign. Rioters set dumpsters ablaze, looted shops, leading to dozens of arrests. As civil rights leaders called for the release of any video that could offer an objective viewing of the shooting, a drunk driver crashed into a crowd of protesters and killed a woman. That was down there. July 2021, Smith's passenger, Asgar, said in a news conference, the agents never identified themselves as law enforcement. Though investigators recovered a handgun and cartridges fired by Smith, Askar said she only saw Smith holding a phone, which she presumed he was using during the uh, to record the agents. Askar filed a lawsuit asking the task force agents violated her civil rights by placing her in an unneeded danger. Crowring County Attorney Donald F. Ryan, who evaluated the BCA's case file, ruled in October 2021 that shooting was justified. His office would not file charges against the agents. Smith's family hired civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump and asked for an independent investigation in the case. This summer, the lawyers for Smith's family asked, our requested that the private analysis examine the phone. One more time to time to find evidence leading to the video's discovery. Now, I want to I'll tell you what I'm going to do because I'm running a little late here. Let me take a break. When I come back, I'm going to read again what has been described to Andy Mannix is on this video. And I want to take a moment to step back and kind of talk a little bit about this. All right? 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So once again, supposedly a video footage has now been discovered in the case of Winston Smith. That this is video from his cell phone. And, and I have to admit, I, I when you hear this, part of me almost kind of wonders, how did they not, when you hear the story, how did they not find this fo- video footage? And it almost, you know, it was, was did his girlfriend at the time delete the footage and and try to get rid of it at that point? I mean, reminder, if what is on this video is true then the girlfriend, it doesn't sound like she's been necessarily honest about what exactly happened. Here is once again what has been described. From the driver's seat of the parked Maserati, 32-year-old Smith recorded on his cell phone as members of the U.S. Marshals Service Fugitive Task Force surrounded the car, thumped on the windows, according to sources familiar with the video's contents. Smith ignored his passenger as she pleaded with him to go with the agents. Just shoot, he said, recording to some sources. And after a brief pause, he pulled a handgun from the Vehicle Center Council and began to raise it. The gunfire broke out. Glass filled the car. 35-second video of the fatal June third, 2021 encounter. If that's true... There's just something we have to come to grips with, and that is this, is that there are a lot of people who – and I'm not saying this is what, without you know, cause per se – automatically presume that the police are lying, automatically presume the police are not telling the truth, automatically believe the police are trying to hide something. And a lot of that has to come with the fact that the police did indeed try to do this, and they did this multiple times. Let's just look at George Floyd. They were lying to our face as this video. Do you remember when they said that nine-and-a-half-minute video, video, that's a lie? What? That's not telling the truth. You have to ignore the nine-and-a-half-minute video and just take the police officer's word. How about Jaleel Stallings? We've just been talking about him because— one of the offers, Battelle, who basically lied, lied his ass off and beat Jaleel Stallings in the streets after they opened fire on him unannounced without provocation, mind you. They basically, they lied and lied and lied and lied and, and, and kept saying he was trying to murder cops when it was the other way around. The cops were trying to murder him. And he basically did all he could to defend himself. And when he found out they were cops, he stopped shooting, threw his gun down, surrendered only to get beaten in the streets of Minneapolis and be accused and have his life turned upside down for years as the police, who knew he had done nothing wrong, kept insisting that he was guilty of the crime. So before anyone comes on out there and say, see – You guys on the left who think to yourself, the cops are always wrong. You need to check yourself. No, 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 no. You need to check yourself because there's plenty of evidence that the police have been wrong in this town for sure. I mean, for God's sakes, Dante Wright. I thought I had my taser when I shot him with a gun. But the reality is this, is that if this video is accurate, the police officers on the scene told the, story, they told the truth. Now, we can criticize the lack of body cams, the lack of dash cams. We can clearly criticize. Why didn't you just arrest him in Stellis or in the elevator as he was coming out of the elevator at, 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 at the parking ramp? Why did you wait for him to get in the car, which would seem to me to be a far more difficult arrest anyway You know, you, you know, it's, it's, you know, if he tries to get on the elevator, I mean, you have officers basically on all floors. He can't get anywhere. We're done. But if this video is true, those deputies told the truth. They were there. They were trying to make the arrest, a legit arrest. And he threatened them with a gun. And they didn't have really any other option. Now, we also can criticize the fact that a police officer is shooting into a car with other people in there who they're not trying to arrest uh uh Castile is kind of a little bit uncouth but this is this is resonating with me right now because i i i'm I am not a journalist. I want to make sure we understand that I am not a journalist occasionally. This little crap fest of a howler monkey exhibit stumbles upon a news story. We were on the air uh, back in 2018 when a caller called out of the blue to talk about how um, um, Doug Wardlow was, as the caller said, the biggest bully in his high school and was a chronic bully by the sounds of it. And I was – the first thing I said to myself is, you need to talk to a journalist because <laughs> I'm not a journalist. But I'm also a person who people come to with information because I do talk about the news and I do talk about the news from a certain point of view. I don't regret anything I said in the Winston Smith Jr. Case when it was back there because my points were this. Why don't you? I can remember myself. Why didn't you have any cameras going? Why? And I remember saying, you guys could be telling the truth, but this town's not going to believe it. There's a shooting up in Granite Falls. When the shooting was reported, There are a few things about it which, as the story reported, and this was apparently from police accounts, seemed a little bit odd and less than explanatory. The first thing was they said it appeared to have a gun in his waistband. Appeared or had? Because those are two things that are two very different words. The other thing was that they, they shot him, and he was fleeing, and he shot him. And I said, okay, wait a second here. When we first talked about the Granite Falls shooting, the first thing I said was, okay, if he had a gun, turned, aimed it at police, police had the right to shoot him. That's They, they have to defend themselves. But is that what happened, or did they do something they're not supposed to do, which is shoot him for convenience. I want to explain something because we are, we are such a militarized police and gun-heavy society. No, m- much like police when they're chasing a car thief and that car thief starts driving at incredibly erratic rates of speed, will pull their vehicles off that car because they don't want that to be the cause of any damage. Police officers with a gun do not fire a gun unless people are about to die or are going to be threatened with violence. What you don't do is you don't, Just shoot somebody because I'm out of breath. All right, I'll tell you what, shoot him. Let's take him in. That's not police work. That's mob rule mentality. And any police officer that thinks shooting a fleeing suspect is how you stop them should never have a badge in their life. Once again, someone fleeing, not a threat to the police, running away, well... The next time, you know, work on your cardio and try to track him down in a place where he's basically not going to be able to sprint away. What you don't do is just start randomly firing shots off. And that is my question about this and Falls case, which is how was he shot? I posted this story from the weekend, and I immediately had someone post. Now, the police have said that there's no dash cam footage. The body cameras were off. There's no dash cam footage. But I've said, okay, well, if we can't have the dash cam footage, how was the guy shot? Was he shot in the back? Was he shot in the back with distance? Someone posted a video, which is supposedly of the situation. And I asked if this was legit. And I'm just going to say this. I need to hand this off to a journalist at this point. I need to hand this off to a journalist. Kooligan, cool again. you need to freaking call me, man. I don't want to say anything about the individual I've been talking with, but this individual was there. And he says he was shot from behind. The bullet went out his neck. He was shot with an AR-15 from distance. That, if true, if true, that's not how police work works. So, some of this individual says, to his knowledge, this guy did not have a gun. To his knowledge, this guy had a gun. A secondary report on the Granite Falls shooting said a gun and drugs were recovered at the scene, but there was a car that he was in. There was, of course, the cemetery. It's not like they said they discovered a gun and drugs on the suspect. They said they were discovered on the scene. Well, that can mean a lot of different things. This individual says the, this, the, the suspect in this case did not have a gun on him. And the implication is this guy was shot because he was running faster than the cops and they didn't like basically having to run after him. I don't know. That's what that's the case. Like I said, I'm not a journalist. My job is to ask questions. That's why I criticized the police force in the Winston Smith Jr. case, because how do you not have video footage after George Floyd? How does any officer operate in this town without video footage ongoing 24-7? And in this case... My point was even more prophetic for the for the police departments, for, for policing units, because if this video that they now have of this case is true, it would have saved their deputies a lot of grief, probably would have stopped a lot of protesting. Considering that one woman was killed by the guy, the drunk driver that drove into the barricade, there's a decent chance that person could be alive. It's closure if we can get some actual video footage of what happened with Winston Smith till we know what happened in the car at the time of his death. But you see, this is where we're at in this city, in this state. Regardless of whether police departments like this or not, I don't care if they're undercover units. I don't care they're there. You got to have body cam footage on. Because right now I'm hearing stories about this shooting in Granite Falls, which make me really question the police. But the reality is, is we can't know until we get video footage. So this day and age that the police departments want to take us back to where, let me tell you about what really happened. Those are over. And the reality is, is this. If you have an undercover police officer who pulls their weapon and fires it, an AR-15, by the
1: way, what the
0: hell? If that's true, yee. If you have an undercover officer who pull their weapon and shoot, well, if the video footage ex- you know, basically exposes who they are, well, then guess what? they probably shouldn't be undercover anymore anyway because they fired their weapon and shot somebody. I understand you might say, well, I don't have a lot of officers in these rural communities to, to basically drop them left and right if they have to you know, switch them out. Well, the reality is that that's probably the case. But until we actually have police take this serious, and even when shootings don't go their way, Quickly release the body cam footage to show the people what happened. Well, I think one of the things we've learned is if this video with the Winston Smith shooting is true, well, then it would have changed a heck of a lot of things if we would have seen that from the get-go, especially if it would have come from the body cams of the sheriff's deputies. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. The... um. You know, turning attention here, a very you know very different direction here. Tom Emmer has said he wants to be the House minor, majority leader, which is the second in command next to the Speaker of the House. Fewer than 24 hours to end to his bid for the U.S. majority leader, and he would he wants to be the majority leader behind Steve Scalise. Uh, he apparently faces stiff headwinds, according to Time magazine. A group of Donald Trump's congressional and media allies have begun plotting to derail his candidacy. Citing multiple sources familiar with the matter, the magazine reports that Emmer's problems stem from the perception that he's insufficiently loyal to Trump, a one-time game show host who now serves a single term as president. Emmer voted to certify Joe Biden's 2020 election as the head of the National Republican Congressional Committee. This is just delicious. You guys can't help yourself. You just had a, you just basically, you know, you know, went to the bathroom in your pants on national television the other day, creating massive chaos. And here you are saying, I bet I could do it even more. You guys can't stop yourself on the right. Uh, Emmer voted to certify Biden's 2020 election. The head of the National Republican Congressional Committee in 2022, he reportedly implored Republican candidates in the midterms to distance themselves from Trump. And he's been telling GOP donors that he won't support Trump's 2024 presidential primary campaign. Emmer, whose district includes St. Cloud in the West and the twin of these exurbs like Andover and Ramsey, is currently a majority whip. His candidacy has come to light following uh, McCarthy's demise as the House Speaker. Emmer has endorsed Steve Scalise as the current majority leader to be speaker. Now, I will say something, and I thought this was exceptional analysis from Stein yesterday, which was that that they're really the Jim Jordan. The difference between the Jim Jordan camp and the Steve Scalise camp is that Jim Jordan is going basically guaranteeing that Ukraine won't get any more military aid from the United States, whereas Steve Scalise believes that there should be military aid for Ukraine. And I want to make sure you understand, this is a minority point of view. This is something that, I mean, clearly the Russians, I think, have bought off a bunch of these Republicans. I, I mean, I think that that's the case. But it, it, if you look at the numbers, the reality is that, what was it, 64% of Americans think Russia is our enemy, which once again, if you're a Republican, you can realize a a dead duck of a of a, of a stance From a mile away. And so I guess they think to themselves that they can spend the next year convincing Americans that Russians who are slaughtering Ukrainians are really our allies. I think Mitt Romney said it best, actually, when he said, we have Ukraine, by us funding Ukraine, Ukraine is basically dismantling our biggest enemy's military. And they are. I mean, it's... It's desperate. This is, I think, one of the reasons why there's this big push. I think Putin knows that he's having a real big problem with his military there, so he's really putting some, you know, his boot down on the the, the necks of the uh, the Republicans who he's bought and paid for to basically get this thing killed. So Steve Scalise is a guy that's a little bit more. You no, know, we need to help Ukraine, and that's why there's people turning on him. Needless to say, I don't think I don't necessarily think you're going to get an easy solution. I don't I I think we are looking at it's gonna be another four or five day voting purge before they finally come together and realize, well, we better go with someone else. But it should be noted, Donald Trump is indeed going to be going to the U.S. House to try to convince the Republicans to place him as Speaker of the House. Which apparently by their own rules he can't do because he's got uh, you know criminal indictments. But, you know. Do I think even moderate Republicans that don't like Trump would vote against him? Probably not. Probably not. Hour two. That's coming up next. (laughs) Hour number two of the show here on your Thursday. Going to be with you Matt and Brett. Mickey Morissette from the Minnesota Women's uh, Monthly is going to be joining us. uh, She's uh, going to be talking about her her, uh, magazine there. And uh, she's going to be joining us uh, hopefully here about 4.35 this afternoon. I, I did get – Brett, have you gotten – first of all, have you gotten your flu shot uh, so far this year? I'm due to get one in a couple of weeks. So oh, you, you got a, do you have an appointment? I do, yeah. Yeah, nicely done. Uh, that's actually pretty easy. The, the It's hard to find a COVID shot right now. And I'm a VA guy. I mean, I, I love going to the VA, not only because I can go down into their commissary and have the same exact <laughs> breakfast I had 30-some years ago when I was in the military. <laughs> it tastes the exact – Same. It's amazing. Actually, I mean, I really like it too, which is funny. Um, You miss the the things you miss. Uh, But uh, I I, I like to get them at the VA, but the VA doesn't have any right now. And you remember the last time we had Dr. Joe on? And I'm hoping to get him on the air on Monday. Uh, We had Dr. Joe on. He was talking about Novavax. That was the one you wanted. Well, that just got approved and you can get a novavax but you just it's 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 going to be getting put out there. Needless to say finding with the va out I mean I went up online and I did the 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 you know for profit re, uh pharmacies and you know CVS I couldn't find anything at none there was no appointments available. I went to a Walgreens and I found one in a Walgreens that was like 20 miles from my house for today but I was able to get both the covid and the flu shot. And the second I got that, I got a little tickle in the back of my throat. I'm like, "Oh God, no!" So hopefully this just passes. No, hopefully no big, a really big deal. But you are you going to get try to get the, the COVID shot here? Yeah, I'll be I'll be
1: getting that as long as I don't turn into a zombie. Well, Absolutely. you know,
0: it's you know, apparently it was the worst zombie apocalypse ever. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, I'm going to highly encourage you. It was very interesting talking to this specialist who is there, who is a temporary hire, which, which she was very chatty um, and a very nice woman to chat with. Um, and she was talking to me about, she goes, she, her feeling is that this is the new normal, that you're, you're going to get in the fall, you're going to get an annual flu shot and a COVID shot, that that will be the way it goes. I said, well, do, you, do I need a booster after this? And she goes, well, if things go the way they are, mm, probably not until next year. So, hopefully good news there, 952-946-6205. Vern in Wyzetta with an update for us here on uh, shots in flu season. Hey, Vern. Hey, hey, Matt.
1: I'm from White Bear, not Wyzetta.
0: Oh, okay. No problem. <laughs> from, White Bear, from, from mighty White Bear Lake where you have a lovely ice cream shop right there on that, right off the Main Street, which I do love going up there.
1: All right, well, I just came from the VA hospital, uh, Minneapolis VA hospital. Uh, Till 7 p.m., you can get a combination flu shot and out-COVID shot there.
0: Now, they they and do they, have them, because I've been calling over there, and they said no. And I just called them yesterday, and they said they didn't have them. Oh, yeah, it was a line. It went 21 nurses giving the shots. They took 21 <laughs> at a time. So hello, it it hello. was quick. It was hello. quick. Uh, Anyhow, it's October 5th, October 12th, and October 14th. Okay, Question for so you. Question for you. Do you know if it was the Novavax you got or did you get one of the other vaccines? Uh, hang on one second. I got right. to okay. um, Come on, soldier. Get uh, us that information.
1: <laughs> com- 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 C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y. Okay. Okay. And it's, it's a combination shot. It's
0: a flu shot and a COVID shot. Oh, wow. You, you're mixing cocktails early. Some, there you it's, go. it's two needles. It's two needles. <laughs> two
1: needles. Though. It's two needles.
0: <laughs> hey, Vern, thanks for the heads up on that. And for all our for all our VA listeners out there, head over to the VA. We're going to be able to get your – it sounds like there are going to be some uh, some days there where you can get both shots done. That's important. And can I just – I will do this story Every single year. I did not get my flu shot one year. I was in my 20s. I did not get my flu shot. I got the flu. Whoa. Nope. Nope, 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 Never missing that again. That was two weeks, three days where I was basically crawling, crawling to the bathroom and then back to bed. Three weeks. Or excuse me, two weeks. Three days of that. I cannot – now, it might be a little bit better now with Netflix and stuff like that. But I had just regular cable television back then. <laughs> TBS did – they weren't even airing the Harry Potters at that point on a constant loop. Damn it. I think it was – maybe it was Shawshank. It was probably Shawshank was on a pretty heavy Yeah, talking day.
1: like the 90s. That was yeah, a yeah, cable, probably, like yeah. 24-7.
0: That or a Jim Carrey movie. You know, oh, like a liar, yeah. liar, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just con- constant rotation. But needless to say, I you know, I was delusional enough already. <sighs> Sorry. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Other bizarro news from today: A woman's plan to make one-of-a-kind jewelry died at an airport customs Friday when the agricultural specialist with the U.S. Customs and Border Protection seized a box containing giraffe feces. Okay. The Iowa woman, oh, I should have known. When I think about people who could possibly be roaming around other countries picking up feces, putting it in a box and saying, I'm taking this home with me, to which everyone in the that the, the, you just did that in front of goes, what? You know, I think an Iowa woman. An Iowa woman who is not identified, who is I think very grateful for that, declared the material and uh, told curious agents that the <laughs> curious agents that sure they a, were very curious. Yeah, I was like, "What? Uh, agents at MSP uh, that she planned to make a necklace." <sighs> she said she used used moose droppings in the past for similar projects. From Cleveland, never. I can't do that joke. Is a real I, hot market
1: for uh, I giraffe feces necklaces I, I,
0: or moose poop? I mean, I, I'm in the I'm out in the wild, and I see droppings of some sort. The first thing I say to myself is, "You know what? I'd look good in that." <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you know, go get like a big dropping of of, of bear poop, and then make like a flavor flave necklace out of it. And they're like, here you go,
1: this is going to get me the ladies. Perfect if you're at a big event and an introvert, no one will talk to you. <laughs> you're gonna well okay. They'll talk to you for about five
0: minutes, and then you're not gonna be talking to anyone. <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna go kind of through the crowd. There's okay, and and from the no blank Sherlock file, let's turn to um Lafonda D. Sutton Burke, CBP Director of Field Operations for the uh Customs agents, there's a real danger with bringing fecal matter into the United States. All righty. Including a high possibility of uh, contracting a disease. Um, Kenya, by the way, is currently uh, affected with Asian swine fever, classic swine fever, Newcastle disease, foot and mouth disease, the swine vascular disease, according to customs officials. And this woman picked up that feces. This sounds like a way we're going to get our next pandemic. It is. This is. This is it. This is, you know, it's the poop virus. The poop virus. Thanks, Iowa woman. I hope the jewelry looks nice. This is why you have no friends. Okay? Can I just say this? This is why you have no friends. A special permit is required for anyone attempting to bring ruminant animal feces into the United States. Boy, that's got to be a job. I mean, Okay, Wait a say. So I was... Looking back at the presidency of Franklin Pierce, who was not a good president, just FYI, pretty bad. He won because he didn't look old. You know, that was basically Franklin Pierce. But pro-slavery in this, the one accomplishment that he did do was the guano uh, treaty which allowed for massive importation of guano from these Pacific islands, which I I guess for for many years were just like 20-foot deep covered in bird droppings. And they would bring them back here and make fertilizer out of them, and the fertilizer was great. And he basically, this was his big contribution to the United States at the time, The Guano Act or something like that. It was like that. So he made sure this was all, you know, really, this is why no one likes you, Franklin Pierce. You know, this is why you have no friends. you from Iowa. Was he from, no, he wasn't. He was New Hampshire, I believe it was. New Hampshire. He basically, that was his claim to fame. That was his one accomplishment that he got done was that. Everything else he did was an absolute disaster. So there there clearly this is something that has been part of customs officials for a while but d- d- is there still a need for this? I mean is is there is there I'm not using Monsanto today. I've got a boat from Guam coming in with all the guano I need for all my wheat. <laughs> I, I I don't know. After seizing the box, specialists destroyed the draft excrement using the approved method of a steam sterilizer. A custom, I, I'm going to guess there was blowtorch involved. I'm going to they just went out on one of the runways or an MSP and just gasoline lit that sucker up and say so long, sayonara. We're taking care of business right here. But apparently, there are people out there that have to get permits to bring animal droppings into the United States. Okay, so maybe like the science museum. You know, because don't they have – they used to have stuff in jars.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, you'd have to get that there somehow.
0: Well, yeah, but
1: – Hermit to get it over well, there. Well, you,
0: you'd have to – imagine put it into a sterile environment to say the least for a while. Oh, God. She just, just – roaming around Kenya. It's like, oh, a giraffe was here. Well, let me just put this in a box here. I mean I do that with shells. Yeah. Sorry. I'll be on the beach. I'll see, hey, here's a pretty shell, I'll take this back home. I don't think I've ever been out there saying, hey, look, looks like one of those hornbills took a dropping. Let me just grab a whole handful of this, jam it right in my pocket. This is gonna make a great necklace. I have at least I have the taste and dignity to know I'm not making a shell necklace. I'm gonna look like I would look like some sort of, you know, Jimmy Buffett fan trying to trying to, you know, hello ladies. But it, you know, there's dignity at least with that versus the giraffe dropping necklace. Who's buying this? Or does is this? You know, does she have like a whole house with necklaces of you know droppings of various creatures?
1: You gotta get her name and check out like her Etsy account and see what she has on <laughs> Etsy. Yeah, uh, not Etsy. Etsy. Yeah. Well, she might. That's something. a different
0: account. Maybe that is for that. <laughs> yes. Are you a fan of the human centipede? Well, let me tell you. No, never mind, never mind. <laughs> Etsy, Etsy, Etsy. Oh, God. (laughs) Maybe this is it. Okay, well, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to Etsy or something like this during the commercial break. And I want you to type in feces jewelry. And you tell me how much is really out there. I mean, are we really on the verge of the apocalypse at this point? Because this makes the zombie thing from yesterday look, you know, like that's science fiction. This is, You know, we actually have people trying to do this.
1: Is there a lot? There is a there is a store called Real Poop Jewelry. Is it in Iowa? Uh, it doesn't give the location, but this is exactly the way uh, of what the title describes. Yeah. You can get some necklaces. Uh, looks like you can get an earring. Wow.
0: A necklace, an earring.
1: Yeah, get it closer to your mouth.
0: Jeez. Is it lacquered or something? I, mean, I got a
1: shirt, too, that says I poop a lot. So. Oh, God,
0: really? I don't think you, I mean, uh, that's not the stocking stuffer you think it is. <laughs> I just, uh, God, sometimes I just wonder about us as a society. I Because, mean, I mean, I like I said, I, got, I can't imagine anyone on the planet's like, uh, what's she doing over there with the, the giraffe droppings? What?
1: She wants to take it back to Iowa with her? The cat necklace is only thirteen dollars.
0: Oh, is it thirteen dollars? Oh, I'm really? A bargain. You too can put drop, drop feces and poop. Or, uh, wear it and feel good about yourself. Was is, is does does she have like other exotic animal?
1: No, uh, some of this looks like kind of mock stuff too. It's it's a weird page, you know. Oh, good. Like, no,
0: she- I, 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 I that was not something you had to tell me. It's a weird page you say.
1: Yeah, yeah, you. you Who would have thought that? (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. At least you can advertise with X. 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205. All right. We're going to cleanse ourselves during the break. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Mickey Morissette is going to be joining us here coming up in about 12 minutes or so. Well, we 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 knew this was coming. We, Brett, you, me, Patrick, we have tried for two years to warn Mike Lindell away from this whole thing. Begged him. Begged him said hey if you have the evidence come talk to the media if you don't profusely apologize and beg for forgiveness they might let you go never once he never he never once listened to us man he never once he never once took our friendly and salient advice the law firm defending my pillow and its ceo mike lindell in a multiple election related defamation cases wants to withdraw from the job because the attorneys are owed millions of dollars in unpaid legal fees. Andrew Parker, an attorney and owner of the law firm of Parker Daniels Kibort, K-I-B-O-R-T, K-I-B-O-R-T sorry if I got that wrong, asked a federal judge to approve the firm's withdrawal in a motion filed two, Thursday in U.S. District Court. The attorney says payments from Lindell started to slow in 2023. By May, they were receiving only partial payments and no payments had been made for legal work done in July or August. Or, as we can do, thank you, Brian Basque, uh, we can look and actually read the, the deposition here. For the week, uh, for the work PDK has compiled on behalf of the defendants in the litigation to this point, defendants have incurred millions of dollars of fees and costs. Defendants regularly paid PDK in a timely manner within 30 days of invoicing, all amounts owed for representation in the above-captioned case, up until the end of 2022. In 2023, defendants' payments began to slow. In addition, around this time, litigation fees and costs in the above-captioned case dramatically increased. In May 2023, payments slowed to more than 60 days and began being only partial payments. No payment has been made for PDK's July 2023 and August 23 invoices. In the above-captioned case, a similar situation exists in the Dominion and Coomer cases, PDK has worked with defendants over the past few months in hopes that defendants would find a way to secure the financing to pay their debts to PDK and pay for PDK's continued representation beginning in August 2023 and again in September 2023, PDK warned defendants if they did not pay the outstanding invoices and continue to pay a new invoices that they come due, PDK would have to withdraw its representation of defendants. Two relatively small payments were made in August 2020. And two relatively uh, – August 2020, that's what it says in here. And two relatively small payments were made in September 2023. I think that should be 2023 in both of them. But those were only a fraction of the total owed. During the week of September 25th, 2023, PTK engaged in further discussions with defendants concerning the debt PDK again warned defendants that PDK would have to withdraw – Its representation in the outstanding invoices were not paid. On October 2nd, 2023, PDK was informed by defendants that they are not able to get caught up with or make any payment on the large amount they owe in arrears, nor pay for anywhere near the estimated expense of continuing to defend against the lawsuits going forward, including either the legal fees or litigation costs. At this time, defendants are in arrears, millions of dollars to PDK, PDK is a small 16-attorney litigation firm in Minneapolis. PDK cannot afford to carry this large of a debt to finance defendants' defense in litigation going forward. That's not good. I am no legal expert, but that's not good. Uh, In an interview with the Star Tribune, Parker said it was a difficult decision to ask to leave the case. This is... A very important First Amendment constitutional case that should be decided in the courts, he said. Smartmatic, U.S. Corporation, and Dominion Incorporated voting machine companies were each suing Lindell and his company MyPillow for more than $1 billion, claiming they were harmed by debunked allegations of election fraud made by Lindell. The MyPillow CEO has repeatedly claimed that companies rigged machines in favor of Joe Biden in the 2020 presidential election. Lindell has denied their defamation claims. The law firm is also representing Lindell in another defamation suit brought to you by former Dominion employee Eric Coomer. The inability to cover legal fees is the latest financial challenge for Lindell, whose Chaska-based MyPillow recently auctioned off hundreds of pieces of equipment and started subleasing some of their manufacturing space. Lindell said the company has lost $100 million in annual revenue after major retailers such as Walmart, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Slumberland Furniture all said they would no longer sell MyPillow products in stores. The company moved to direct sales after... Shopping networks dropped his products. Lindell has said American Express also released slashed the company's credit line down to $100,000. That's a bad sign. The attorneys added that they provided Lindell with many litigation administration tasks and obligations, including producing hundreds of thousands of pages of documents and defending him in many hours of depositions. If they continue on with this case, the 16-employee law firm would be forced to fund litigation, personal and payroll costs, which would amount to millions of dollars in addition to the millions of dollars already owed. Forcing them to work through the conclusion of this billion-dollar litigation would place the firm in serious financial risk. It continues, Parker notes the motion that Lindell is aware of the move to withdraw from the case in the process of finding new counsel. The, um, there will be a hearing for the judge to consider the attorney's motion to withdraw, but no date and time has been set as of Thursday afternoon. You can tell Mike was having some problems the other day when he – when when they were at that deposition and the guy said, well, we're not talking about the calls where they'll say something like lumpy pillows. And Lindell just goes off on the lumpy pillows. Hey, I, I don't know if the pillows are lumpy. I don't know. Do, do you? Ha- I don't have a my pillow. Do you have a my pillow? I do not know. I don't know. Do they're lumpy. I mean, have you heard from people that they're lumpy? I heard. I saw Consumer Reports didn't really didn't give them the best review.
1: I've heard mixed results from people that have used those before. Some like them. Others have said no, they're not comfortable at all.
0: I think when Stein said they're fine, <laughs>
1: well, that's the Midwest way of kind of saying that's, uh, it's fine.
0: It's fine. It's fine. That was I think that was his term. Um life's about to get really really hard for Mike Lindell. My life's about to get really really hard for Mike Lindell. And as much as that guy would probably scream in my face at the top of his lungs, the truth is with all sincerity, 2 years ago when we first first started saying Mike You've said you had evidence. You said you're going to produce evidence. You keep pushing off producing the evidence. Dude, you're going to get sued. Produce your evidence or profusely apologize, grovel, say I'm sorry. They might let you off the hook. And you want to know the truth is I think at some point they might have done that early on in this. They might have said I'm really sorry. I was given some bad information. I've done this. Instead, you kept doubling down and doubling down when Jordan Klepper from The Daily Show called you out and said, dude, you're doing this Bigfoot thing all the time. It's a Bigfoot show where they never have to produce Bigfoot. They can just imply Bigfoot's there and then they say tune in next week and we'll see if we find Bigfoot. And then next week they do the same thing and they say, well, you don't have any evidence, but tune in next week and see if you have Bigfoot. And he basically chewed him out. Dude, you've done this to yourself. It's no one else's fault. I feel really sorry for you. I feel sorry for all your workers who've stood by you in this whole process. But I'm going to be surprised if by the end of this year that company even exists. And, you know, he doesn't declare bankruptcy. And then, you know, I don't know where he goes from here there. But needless to say, it's, it's a hard, hard lesson to learn. And I still don't think he's learned it. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. When we do return, Mickey Morissette is going to be joining us. We'll be talking uh, about uh, the uh, the magazine, the the, uh, Women's Press, and we'll be talking to her about uh, the the, the day and age of as as magazines have had trouble staying afloat and keeping that magazine going. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. The Minnesota Women's Press has been sharing the voices and visions of women since eight, or 1985, 1985, as one of the longest continuously run feminist platforms, print and digital, in the U.S. with award-winning photography and website. Joining us right now to talk about this publication is the publisher and editor for them, it's Mickey Morissette. She's kind enough to take some time today to talk about the uh, Minnesota Women's Press. Mickey, thank you very much. I appreciate the time.
2: Well, thank you, Matt. It's nice to talk to you.
0: It's an absolute. It's an absolute privilege to chat with you. Uh, first of all, let me let me let's talk about this because obviously this is a bit of a historic uh, organization. This 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 uh, outlet here. The fact that it's been going since 1985, and really, when you think about, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, a generation or uh, kind of guy. The fact that this has been running since 1985 is incredibly impressive. Uh,
2: it is, actually. Yeah, the, it started in 1985 because the owners at the time realized that women were tended to be on the lifestyle page. Yes. And when they, and when they started, uh, people said it was never going to last um, that there would be no way to sustain it. Um, so the fact that it did continue and it's now the longest continuously run feminist publication in the country. Ms. of course had come prior to that, but didn't stay publishing. Um, so yeah, we have a very unique, uh, of history.
0: Well, and, and by the way, we should mention you are by trends. You are kind enough today to join us. You're, you're out on the West Coast right now, right? <laughs>
2: I am. Sorry if you heard the train in the background. Yes, I am. Uh, my son is a sophomore in college, and I'm here to help him settle into his mm-hmm. apartment. So I am calling from uh, Eugene, Oregon.
0: Beautiful Eugene, Oregon, uh, as the name dictates. Uh, well, congratulations. Well, first of all, congratulations on him. That's a great place to go to college. I love being out in Oregon. It's a great state. And so it, I, I really do appreciate that you've taken time out of your personal time to talk with us about the Minnesota Women's Press let's talk a little bit about the focus of it what you know what what makes it unique in 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 the in the stories and the messages that you bring
1: out
2: yeah there's a couple things i'm really proud of and i myself bought the magazine 5 years ago it's i'm the third I'm the third owner the two previous pairs had each run it for very long periods of time So I just came in five years ago. But the thing I love about it, I came from a long history of journalism. and worked in New York City magazine publishing for a while. What I love about this is that, one, we really do first-person narratives, which is very unique. We especially work with marginalized voices who tell their own stories in their own ways. We don't tend to send too many reporters into communities to, to get a couple quotes and tell people's stories for them. So I love that about it. It's very honest and real and often raw. Um, and we're very social justice focused. So we've been doing ongoing series on uh, reducing gender-based violence, uh, reimagining public safety, transforming justice, a couple other things that um, are, as you know, uh, long-simmering issues. And one of the things that really struck me during the pandemic, I had a chance to um, go through the archives of our magazine um, and saw how much the issues from 1985 and the 90s are very similar to what they are today, the same abortion debates, reproductive justice issues, um, and gender-based violence certainly has not gone away. So. I thought rather than kind of drop in and out of these topics, we would start doing sustained coverage. So that's one of mm-hmm. the big things that we've been doing this past year as part of a new offshoot called Changemakers Alliance.
0: There is this mentality, and it's an, and if I can be blunt, it's an ignorant mentality that an, organ, uh, an outlet like yours is not needed because, oh, we've changed. And we haven't because although your point about 1985 where women's issues were on the lifestyle page or not talked about at all, today – it's not, you know, there might be a little bit more, but the equity is still not there and it's not being reported. And the mere fact we're in this whole post row world that we're in just shows you a bunch of white, you know, Republicans dictating, mm-hmm. white male Republicans dictating what women can and cannot do. It just shows you that we need Minnesota women's press to present these stories and these issues just as much as they did back in 1985, if not more today, because clearly these things are not getting, you know, the, the change is not happening nearly as fast as we need it to happen.
2: Yeah, uh, it's, it's the gender issues, and it's also certainly the racial issues. We had stories in the publication decades ago when things were going on in Los Angeles after Rodney King. Um, people here were talking about the fact that black people were being incarcerated at much higher rates, um, people were talking about the, you know, the drug issues and people being criminalized and housing, affordable housing issues. So, yeah, there are gender issues, there's racial issues, there's economic issues, and none of them have had sustained um, sustained changes to them. We kind of do, do these cycles, as you know, of, of up and down, paying attention, changing something, going back, reverting back, backlash. Um, so one of the other things that was interesting to me is that decades ago, we had two things that we're kind of reinventing now. One was ethnic studies curriculum for Minnesota was the first in the nation to pass the fact that we would mandate ethnic studies curriculum. Well, then it got pushed back and it didn't happen. And now it's back again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Minnesota was the first to try to do that once upon a time. And there was so much pushback. Um, and the other thing that has resurfaced is, well, certainly the fact that um, Supreme Court back in the 90s, 92, was looking at the abortion laws, and people were getting very upset about how this might come down. So there's a lot of different things, Um, but the other thing that I thought was interesting from a few decades ago was related to the fact that um, we were um, still struggling with um how to handle mental illness and addictions without incarcerating um and we've obviously not solved that very well either so
0: yeah i will There's bring a lot. i'll bring up the fact that we've only recently much to our detriment as a society dealt with missing and murdered native american women missing oh, yeah. and murdered black women and we now are taking this seriously that wait a second here people are disappearing and dying and we're not taking this seriously and the yeah. reality is it's it's just it's, it, 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 there's another you know thing right obvious in our face that it's it's taking us this long just to say oh yeah you know native american african american women disappearing or being murdered well that's not good we should probably stop that and and so <laughs> I, I i think that it it is kind of remarkable to me That and and it's not and and to a point I I think that there is this idea with the Me Too movement that we've kind of kind of started bringing awareness to this, but we still have such a long way to go to get true Mm -hmm. equity when it comes to the the the, whether gender issues and 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 is particularly with women. I mean, we still don't have equal pay for goodness sakes, and that one blows my mind.
2: Yeah yeah it is it is very disheartening that i I would say it's very disheartening to be able to to look at these things. I was just in Worthington a few weeks ago talking to about twenty five members of the community there, all almost all immigrants and the things that they go through are things that you would have thought we would have gotten past a few decades ago but of course we have not um uh very very racist comments uh very marginalized sense of community very marginalized um Um, economic status of the city, um, city council that doesn't reflect what they need. So all of that is to say that we do have a lot of things that people are disheartened by. But the thing I love, again, going back to what we are doing, the thing that I love about the um, stories that we do are um, we're really talking to the people who are trying to make solutions and the fact that they're trying to organize Together, that's why we call it Changemakers Alliance. We had a woman from Wilmer who had been part of organizing uh, uh, immigrant communities in particular there. She came to Worthington, which was a few hours away. She listened to what they said. They said, this is... This is very much a a Greater Minnesota kind of issue," Um, she said. "I'm happy to help and bring together some of the things that we learned in our organizing techniques. You have to stay, you have to support each other, you have to stay hopeful, and most importantly, you have to do things as groups because that's what happens: is when we're kind of isolated, we get shut down. She says people just chop you off at the head, and you do have to do. Uh, the community building and sh- and I do think that that's something we are doing a little bit better maybe than we were before we've still had a lot of divisions even in the women 's movement around, along racial. Uh, lines, and I don't think we've solved all of that. But I do think there's a better sense, especially with the young organizers today, yeah. and the fact that you have to collaborate with everybody. You bring everybody to the table together, less siloed. It's not perfect, but I do think it seems to be headed in the right direction from uh, from that
0: standpoint. I've got two generations ears and you know, girls, uh, and well, women. Mm-hmm. And bluntly, they're tired of our crap. You know, they—they—they basically—they yeah. <laughs> are tired of our crap. If if there's yep. one great thing about our society right now, is I see a young generation coming out here who are like, okay, fine, we were waiting for you guys to fix them. You're not going to fix it. We're going to fix it. And so it yep. gives me hope that there is going to be a change coming here soon.
2: Yep, and I think it's indicative. We have a story coming up in our November issue of a, with a young woman talking about the gender fluidity, which is not something that they just invented, it's just that it's kind of ridiculous, she says, the fact that we have been so focused on things being in certain areas and certain categories, um, that it's just kind of more of a natural progression that we're going back to things that even she, she traced back decades I mean, hundreds of years ago, Mesopotamia, for heaven's sakes, also had some gender fluidity to it. That we've had two spirits forever. Um, so, so part of it is just being able to get away from maybe what was in the 1950s—a the sense after the wars of just keeping things kind of clean and structured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And realizing that that doesn't serve anybody because we're not a clean and structured society and, and we're very much a blend. And so, therefore, we need a lot more fluidity in, in who we're communicating with. So, but it's,
0: yeah. Publisher and editor for the Minnesota Women's Press is uh, Mickey Morissette. She's kind enough to join us here to talk about this today. Uh, let, well, let's talk about your current issue. Let's, uh, what are some of the things you're focusing on right now?
2: Yeah, uh we actually just did our September issue uh, that just is passed now was about labor and organizing. So we had Veronica Mendez from CETOOL did a big story in there about how very much what we were just talking about, the fact that you do collaborative organizing, you do things that involve other groups that are working for similar goals. You don't all have to have the same goals, but you have to do things collaboratively beyond your own organization. That was pretty powerful. The current issue, October, has uh, Senator Mary Kanesh on it, and she very much was talking about the fact that the ethnic studies curriculum, again, has just kind of gotten renewed interest, but the, what the natural pushback there is still um, And then in that, to kind of reiterate what she talks about is the fact that we're not taught a lot of things about Minnesota's own past. Yeah. and We have a very deep story in there from three of the women that started the Duluth Memorial It created a Duluth Memorial related to the lynching that happened there in 1920. All three of them grew up in the area and were never taught about the fact that there was a lynching in 1920. It wasn't that long ago um and so they're trying to be more mindful of having people aware of the fact that this has happened this happened in the community and you know that again it's not so distant. Um, so so very proud of some of the stories in that issue. And then we're currently working on the November issue, which is about youth well-being, very focused on the foster care system. And I also did an interview with uh, Hennepin County Attorney General Mayor Moriarty about juvenile justice reform. Um, you know, we know there's pushback there, too. Um, so, so it's always for me, it's been fascinating to, to find the people who are really trying to change systems and do it collaboratively. And again, that's kind of where I see a lot of hope. Um, so, um, so it's all very it's it's a lot of fun. Let's it, talk. It's a struggle,
0: though. Well, and that, <laughs> let's get into that because this is. I mean, you are in a day and an age where, I mean, I used to get. 40 magazines per month. You know, I mean, we used to get all these yeah. magazines. Keeping magazines up and going right now is not easy. Talk about the challenges that you're facing right now.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I grew up certainly with print. I grew up in newspapers. I, you know, yeah, went to New York, worked in magazines, did some work with the New York Times for a time, for a while. So I am very much a print person. But, yes, as we know, there are a lot of ways people can advertise now. And digital tends to be cheaper. People tend to think that they can reach more of a mass audience, which is of uh, interest to some people rather than the niche audiences that we tend to have in our magazine. But, uh, we, we have a very loyal readership and Advertisers. Some have been with us for decades, but we we lose we lose people every year. Um, staying in print has. I've been going to a lot of different conversations with independent publishers around the country. Most people are forgoing print now at all and doing everything digitally because it's cheaper. Um, we like having our print product because we're thematic, and then we put together a package of stories around one topic. We like what that does in terms of giving multiple perspectives on things and allowing people to see things in different ways. Um, and when, they, when you read it online, you tend to come in to read the story that you learned about in some way and move on. So we're trying to tell a bigger story. Um so I love print um but it is a struggle print costs have gone up since the pandemic a lot of our small business advertisers have have gone out of business or at least don't have the marketing budgets so we have had to trim we used to be a 40 page magazine a few years ago we're down to 24 pages now still in print um we've had to cut we've had 20 in the past we've had 30,000 copies distributed for free, mostly around the twin cities to 550 locations. We've had to trim that, um, 15,000 currently, um, 440 locations. Um, so we're kind of clinging to the idea that, um, we can still provide things in print to people who don't always have access to digital. Um, so, uh, we're trying to do a little bit of both because, of course, as you know, the younger ones don't necessarily like holding things in their hands <laughs> unless it's a phone. So, <laughs> so we're doing a little bit of both. Um, we've, you know, we've upped the online only stories that we do. I've been working with underwriters to develop some of our content series. Our hometown values and vision is something we, we primarily do online where we're going to other cities around, uh, towns around the, the state, learning from them in groups about what their values and vision are. So we're trying a lot of different things, um, but it—it's the thing that's going to go uh, if we can't quite turn it around—is—is um, is print, yeah. and that would be very sad um, because yeah, we have been the one that has lasted the longest, and the other thing that's been a struggle is we lost a ad salesperson a couple uh, five months ago, and that has been hard to replace. So it's just, you know, we could probably be bringing in more revenue than we are if we had more than one person doing it. So it's tough and um, we're trying and we've wow. had some great um, support but yeah, it's a, it's, a tough, it's a tough hole right
0: now. Which is why well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do right now. It, it, this is a call to action. You guys need to get out there and get subscribed to this and donate to it. If you go to Minnesota Women's Press webpage, which is womenspress.com uh, you can basically, uh, womenspress.com, you go there, there's a subscribe button, there's a donate button right at the top. Do both of them. Subscribe, donate. This is obviously a periodical that we need to keep in print. We need to keep going because there still are a lot of stories. And yes, I think that all of us back in the 1980s thought, oh, we'll, we'll be over this all soon. No, we clearly are not. We need to actually keep pushing these these messages and get that Generation Z activated And part of these issues as well, because regardless of who you are, fixing these problems is a benefit for all of us as a society. So that's the important thing. And Minnesota Women's Press is doing a very good job of getting that message out there and that change out there. Once again, it's womenspress.com. Subscribe, donate. I'll put the link out to everything a little bit later on. Mickey, uh, all my best to your son. Travel safe, uh, (laughs) avoid those trains, and uh, all my best with Minnesota Women's (laughs) Press. And by all means, when you get your next issue coming on out, come on back. Let's talk about it again, okay? Super. Thanks very much, Matt. My pleasure. Mickey Morissette, Minnesota Women's Press. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Tell you where things are going right now. Here's Wisconsin. A man who is looking for Governor Tony Evers of Wisconsin was arrested with a handgun inside the state capitol in Madison on Wednesday. He posted bail and then returned with an AK-47 style rifle, was arrested once again, the state spokesman woman said. Uh, The man who was shirtless and had a dog on a leash initially approached the security desk outside the governor's office shortly before 2 p.m. A uh, spokeswoman for the Wisconsin Department of Administration said in a statement, uh, the man said he would not leave until he saw the governor. Ms. Warwick said because it is illegal to carry openly carry a firearm inside the state capitol officers with the Wisconsin state capitol police took the man into custody on a weapons charge. The man whose name was not released was taken to the Dane County Jail. The gun which the man would been carrying in a holster was seized as evidence. The dog was turned over to animal control officers. The man then bailed himself out of jail. Uh, the statements did not say how much he posted. Um, hours later, at about 9 p.m., the man appeared outside the Capitol building with a loaded AK-47 rifle and again asked to see the governor. Capitol Police and Madison Police officers began talking with him and searched his backpack They found a collapsible police-style baton, which was illegal for him to carry without the valid carry-conceal permit. Based on the concerning statements he made by the man, officers took him into custody shortly after midnight for psychological evaluation. The rifle was seized by Capitol Police for safekeeping. The baton was seized as evidence. The man was charged with a carry-conceal weapons violation. The baton, the loaded AK-47, that's no biggie. She said it was not illegal for him to have the loaded rifle outside the Capitol as long as he was not using it in a threatening manner. Okay, he showed up earlier with a gun, and he shows up with a loaded gun later on. At that point, I think you guys are just being, you know, you guys are you're, you're doing exactly what you say. It's like, he's a good guy with a gun until he wasn't. Well, this was clearly not a good guy with a gun, and you should have basically had some way to to, well... To, to, yeah. Thank God nothing bad happened to the governor of Wisconsin, but I'm going to tell you what, these Republicans on the far right, they keep pushing this. I think we're going to see more and more and more of this. God help us all. Uh, Native Roots Radio, I'm awake. That's coming up next. We are back tomorrow on a Friday. Until then, see ya.